Go to Ephesians in chapter number 6. Ephesians in chapter number 6. What a blessing to be here with you this morning. And folks, I pray that we do realize the importance of God's people getting together and praising the Lord and hearing the preaching of the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read the first four verses of this chapter together. Let's go ahead and stand. and We'll do that in reverence to the Word of God. Ephesians in chapter number 6. I'm going to start with verse number 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Verse 4, it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning, and I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for, oh, Lord, just, just the ability to, to get together with the people of God. Father, I pray that today we'd open our hearts, and Lord, that we'd have ears to hear what you have for us. I ask that your Holy Spirit would have complete freedom. I ask that if there are any in this room today who are without the Savior, that today would be the day that they would accept Christ and, Father, get their eternity cared for. And, Father, I pray for the rest of us in here that do claim the name of Jesus Christ, that, Father, we desire our lives to be more like yours, and, Father, that we desire to follow your Son in a greater manner. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Ephesians chapter 6, of course, we like the first three verses as parents, don't we? I do. We memorize those verses at home, and we say those, and our kids say them, and boy, we like them. And then we get to verse 4, and it says, And ye fathers, it says, Provoke not your children to wrath. It says, But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And today, of course, being Father's Day, I was looking through my notes, and it's been, it's been quite a few years since I've preached a message on Father's Day about fatherhood. And the Lord had laid it on my heart earlier in the week, and I uh, just, just felt led of the Lord to do this today. But I do want to say before we jump in that this message is not just for dads today, but it's for all those who are father figures and who are, who are mentors and role models in our lives. And, and I really, in many cases, I believe that includes all of us in some way, shape, or form. Now, again, the primary thrust today is going to be dads, it's going to be grandpas, it's going to be great-grandpas, and so on and so forth. But I believe that a lot of these things today we can all take to heart. And I believe that we should all desire to incorporate what we're going to be looking at today into our lives. Um, dads, i got to tell you this, we need you. We need you. Boy, I'm tickled today to see how many fathers are in the service. I bought a bunch of candy bars last night and went back and bought a couple more just to make sure we had enough. And we were running pretty low there, and that's fantastic. And dads, I appreciate that. I appreciate you being in church. I appreciate you being in the house of God with your families. It says a lot. And dads, we need you. Fathers are absolutely necessary to the proper development of a child. And I want to say this. Um, kids were designed for one father and one mother. They really were. That's how God designed us. God designed, and, and it's a dirty word, but divorce has entered in and really disrupted a lot of homes. Now, I'm not, I'm not yelling and screaming at you today if you come or you're dealing with a divorced home. I'm not. That's not my purpose. But I want to tell you, if you're, if you're currently married, you stay with the one you got. Okay? And that's what God has, that's what God intended, that's how he set it up way back in the Garden of Eden. But God's design was for a man and a woman to get married. It was supposed to be till death do us part. And then it was to replenish the earth by having sons and daughters. 
Young boys and girls seek a strong father figure. And we need some men today to stop being preoccupied with work, with careers, with their buddies, with their video games, with their sports leagues, with alcohol, with their guys' weekends, with fishing and hunting. And we need them to stop being preoccupied with their man caves. Um, we need dads to be dads. I was doing some reading, and the, not the Bible, but this came out of the U.S. News and World Report. It says some 46% of families with children headed by single mothers live below the poverty line compared to 8% of those with two parents. Studies show, and I'll listen to this, that only 43% of state prison inmates grew up with both parents and that a missing father is a better indicator of criminal activity than race or poverty. Did you catch that? Okay, that, that means without mom and dad being there, your child has a better chance of being in prison than if he was in poverty or grew up being a minority. They also, social scientists have also made similar links between a father's absence and his child's likelihood of being a dropout, of being jobless, of being a drug addict, of being a suicide victim, of being mentally ill, or being a target of child abuse. In 1986, William Bennett, in a speech on the family in Chicago, he asked the question, where are the fathers? And then he made this statement. He said, generally the fathers are there, or generally the mothers are there struggling. For nine out of ten children in single parent homes, the father is the one who is not there. Where are the fathers? One-fifth, and this, this number is, is, is grown astronomically in the last 25 years, but one-fifth of all American children live in homes without fathers. Where are the fathers? Where are the men? Wherever they are, this much is clear. Too many are not with their children. And I look at that, and folks, i got to be honest with you, it's sobering. It's sobering as I look at our culture and our society. For the first time in American history last year, more than half of the babies born, 2011, more than half of the babies born were born to unwed mothers. For the first time in our nation's history, over 50% of our babies were born that way. Now, folks, that says something's wrong. Something's broken. And, folks, what is, what is being torn apart, and I'll say this, marriage has been under attack heavily in our culture now for decades. It, it, it started a long time ago, but, boy, we got to the 70s, and the feminist movement really got going and got some traction and tried to destroy marriage. It tried to destroy the role God gave to the man, and it tried to destroy the role God gave to the woman. And, boy, we've gotten into our, our generation here. In the last 10 years, we've seen the homosexual agenda absolutely explode onto the scene. And I'm going to tell you this. It's, it's an attack against godly biblical marriage. That's what it's an attack against. And folks, i got to tell you, see, our, our job, our purpose is not to go out and attack these false things. Our job is to get the real thing and make it work. Okay, too many Christians in Bible-preaching, Bible-believing churches are living in a manner that was never intended by Almighty God. God ordained marriage, God set up marriage, God set up the order of marriage, and he said, this is how you do it, and this is what you do, and you train your children to go thou and do likewise. And this morning, I just want to beg you to understand, see, we've got too many men who are just males or are boys. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11, the Bible says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away 
childish things. And this morning, I want to challenge you, fellas, it's time that we put away childish things. I, I, this, is, this is a personal pet peeve. I don't have a whole lot of Bible on this, but I'll give it to you anyway, amen? This is, this is free. But folks, I, I hate these man caves. They drive me nuts. They basically teach that a man needs to go to his home and have a place of seclusion where he can be away from his wife and his children. Do you know that that's not biblical? God gave you a wife, and the Bible says to dwell with her, not to be separated from your own house, in your own house from her. And God, if he's blessed you with children, God intends for you in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4 to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I know some of you women say, oh, please don't talk about this. I like his man cave. It's good for him to get away from me. But it's not biblical. It's not what God intended. And it drives me nuts because in there, the guys go and they'll, 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 they'll watch their TV. They'll play their video games. They'll have their buddies over and they totally disinvolve themselves from their families. And I, I, I'm weary of it. I'm weary of our entertainment and our pleasure taking precedence and priority over our homes. God graced me with a good home. I grew up in a Christian family. My dad got saved a few years before I was born. My mother was saved I think months, if I'm not mistaken, before I was born. And God gave me the ability to grow up in a, in a growing Christian family. Our family size was growing, and my parents and our family were growing in the Lord. And I praise God for that. What a blessing. What a blessing to have that privilege and that opportunity as a child. Um, I'm going to talk about some things that my father taught me today. And i got to tell you, I love my father. He's downstairs where he belongs with the kids. In many cases, he's never put away childish things. But my father was a good, is a good man. And my dad taught me some wonderful things. Now, I'm going to say this. One thing he did not teach me is patience. All right? Uh, my, my father's not a patient man. So don't, I, I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, he's... He's not a perfect dad, but my father's a good man. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians that children are to honor their parents. And I don't believe that stops when you hit 18. I think it ought to grow, and I think it ought to mature as best as possible. And I want to point you to some things, and these are all biblical in nature. But number one this morning, my father taught me to love my wife. I'm going to jump mics. My father taught me to love my wife. Dad was, was tough. Um, my father, and let me say this, he wasn't harsh, but he was strict. I remember very early on we learned two words, and we had to repeat them whenever we didn't abide by them. And those two words were listen and obey. And, and, and again, time and time again, my father and my mother would reinforce those two words, and they'd say, okay, and what are you supposed to do? Uh, listen and obey. Now, it was real easy to remember. We didn't always live by that, but those two words were very instrumental. And my father believed in those words, and my father also believed in discipline when those words were not obeyed, okay? Um, and he believed in biblical discipline. Um, there was only one thing, truly, that made my father a little flustered. Um, and it wasn't discipline. Dad, dad, <laughs> dad was not a guy that got flustered when he disciplined us. He, he was, that was the only area he really had patience in because he was willing to go at it for as long as it was needed, all right? You, you, uh, I had a, I, my mother's a wonderful, godly lady, but my mom, you know, in, you kids, all, not you kids, all of you adults in here, you remember your parents saying, now I want you to know this hurts you more than it hurts me, right? 
Any, any adults ever hear that growing up as a child? You were, you were about to get a whipping, and right before the whipping, just to add like a little bit of insult to injury, now this, this hurts you a lot more than it hurts me. And, and as a child, you were just like, yeah, whatever, you know, seriously, thanks. Now, with my mother, though, I'll say this, I almost believed it. Because mom, you know, mom would do like, you know, she, now, now I was going to get it. I deserved it. I got to tell you, every spanking I ever got, I deserved. I deserved more than I got, but, but I got enough. Now, my mother, you know, she'd do that, that great wind-up. And then all of a sudden, get close and just, whoosh. You know, and, and. And it's okay, you know, as, as, as a child, I was like, Mom, it's got to hurt you more than it hurts me, because it don't hurt me. Now, my father was not that way. And I'm going to say this, my father never said those words, okay? My father, and, 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 and Dad, I don't, I don't know if he was sadistic, he may be a little bit, okay? You that know him better than I may say that. But, but Dad, you know, every kid, when they, you know, bend over, you're about to get it, okay? A child's backside becomes like this movable target. Right? I mean, have you ever tried to discipline your children and you can't find their bottom? All right? You know what I'm talking about. And, 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 and my father, instead of getting frustrated with that, he found it somewhat amusing. Because what he'd do is he'd say, okay, now, son, we're going to start all over again. Oh. And as a child, I remember, and I, I've got three great kids of my own, and I, they, they learned this trick. I don't know where we all get it from. But, but about halfway, after, you know, and, and again, you, you take a kid to discipline them, and they're screaming before they even get into the room. Oh, you're killing me! You know, and mom's heart is bleeding and breaking. And, and, and it, it, as a father, you're just, I, I mean, I haven't even touched him yet. I'm about to touch him, but I haven't even touched him yet. And, and as a kid, you know, you learn that trick, you know, as, as you're getting spanked. Can I, I can use that word in 2012, can't I? Is that okay? All right, if you're offended at it, talk to me after the service, and I'll use a different word, okay? But as I was being biblically disciplined and chastised for my actions, I would, about halfway through, you were tired of getting your backside <clears throat> smacked, and so you'd stick your hand back there. Right? Now, Mom would feel bad, and she'd slow down and hardly touch you. Dad, he'd hit your hand and say, now, son... We're going to start all over. Now, again, I think, now, now, but he didn't get flustered with it. I mean, he was, he was pretty much okay with it. He said, I'm, and I remember, now, he never said, it hurts me more than it hurts you, but I remember him saying, son, I can do this as long as you want to. <laughs> I remember him saying that a lot. <laughs> I promise you, my mother can remember him saying that a lot. Don't kill him, boss. I, I do remember, oh, Mike, stop hurting him. It was great, man. And that was before he'd even touched us. That was a beautiful thing. <laughs> but that didn't make my father angry. The only time I really saw my dad get frustrated with us and truly frustrated was when I would treat my mother poorly or talk back to her. Those things were never discussed. It was just over. You see, dad believed in my mother being treated properly. And that involved her kids respecting her. Dad made my mom a queen. And in doing so, he got to be king by virtue of marriage. My father taught me that. My father taught me that my wife is a very important person. In fact, as far as this physical earth is concerned, she's the most important person in my life. I mean that. She is, she is what 
this is to be about. See, when, when I stood at the altar and said, tell death to us part, it wasn't just a fanciful little decision. It wasn't something I said, oh, we hope it works. It was something that my father said, as soon as you get married, she is to be number one as far as a person is concerned in your life. And I'm not, I'm not trying to discount the Lord Jesus Christ. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm just saying as far as a physical being, that woman takes precedent and priority in your life. He taught me that, and he didn't teach me that verbally. And folks, and i got to say this, dads, don't try to teach your children by your speech. Teach your children by your example. And I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, dad. Dads fail, amen? If there's one thing children know, it's that dad messes up a lot. Father's mistakes are far more obvious than mother's, and I don't know why that is, but they just are. But dads, let me tell you this, you, you lead, you teach your children by example, and my father taught me to love my wife. Secondly, my dad taught me to be accountable. My dad taught me to be accountable. Uh, 10 or 11 years old, I got a paper out, and boy, I delivered papers, and I remember getting phone calls, and about halfway through, there was, this, there was this basketball court, and there would always be guys at it, and I liked to play basketball, and I would ditch my paper bag and park my bike, and I'd go play basketball, and then my parents would get a phone call, mom would get a phone call about a paper being delivered late, and it used to be an afternoon route, and I learned real quickly to deliver my papers and then play basketball. I remember working down at Design Homes and worked down there for about four and a half, five years during the summers and whatnot when I went to college and in, 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 in high school, I got into an accident with a truck. Totaled the truck out, amen? It was, it was a work truck. It wasn't, it wasn't a personal truck. It was a work truck. And, and Frank Weeks has got a few bucks. So I didn't think it was a big deal. You know, I felt kind of bad, thought I'm going to get in trouble for it, but I'll still have a job, amen? Now, my father, he found out what happened, and it was, the accident was partially my fault. Not all my fault, amen. Still haven't come to grips with that, but it was partially my fault. Dad said, son, you're going to go and talk to Mr. Weeks. He made me call him Mr. Weeks because I was still a teenager at that time. I was 16 and a half years old. He said, you're going to go in there, and you're going to offer to pay for that truck. He said, Dad, you've got to be kidding me. He said, no. He said, you're at fault. You're going to pay for that truck. So I went into Mr. Weeks' office. And I said, told him what happened. He was already aware of it. And I offered to pay for it. And he said, that's fine. So I paid for that truck. Dad taught me to be accountable. You say, well, well, that was a little bit unreasonable. It taught me to be accountable for my actions. Folks, do you know that a 16-year-old is to be as accountable as a 36-year-old? And in our society, we've lost accountability. We, we think that, that, that it's somebody else's job to pay for it. It's not. It's mine. See, it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to care for my family. It's my responsibility to take care of my home. It's my responsibility to take care of my family. It's my responsibility to get into church. It's my responsibility to live for God. And my father taught me at a very young age, and boy, a lot of things I could tell you about many years before that, but he taught me to be accountable. He said, you are responsible for your actions. And if your actions are wrong and they cause a problem, it's your job to fix the problem. Now, folks, that's what my father taught me, and I thank God for that. I thank God that I had a dad who took the time to say, no, son, you're not going to do what you want. You're going to do what you should. You're going to live in a manner that is right, whether it's easy or not. Dad taught me to be accountable. He taught me how to be honest. He said what you borrow or rent should be returned in the same or better shape than you received it. 
Man, I remember him preaching that to us. And there have been times through the years where I borrowed something, I broke it, and you know what I had to do? I had to replace it with something new. Why? Because I'm accountable. Was 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 it in great shape when I got it? No, but it was my responsibility, and I'm accountable for my actions. And folks, I wish today that we could teach our children that simple lesson. We don't have young people as a whole today who are accountable. We as Christian parents, in too many cases, we try to take the burden off of our children when God wants a little bit of that burden to be on our children. Our children need to learn to answer. Are they right? Then praise them. If they're wrong, then teach them to be responsible for their actions. And folks, I get weary of this culture that has pulled that away. The third thing my father taught me to be was generous. And dad... (laughs) If you know my father, and many of you do, dad is, dad is, is, is sarcastic. Dad is somewhat quick-witted. He, he's always got something to say, but my father taught me to be generous. And dad was never generous outwardly. He was generous privately. And folks, I really think, and again, I, I believe with all of my heart that's the biblical way to do it. Uh, the left hand shouldn't know what the right hand's doing. We shouldn't give so that everybody else looks at us and say, hey, hey, look at, look at him. I, 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 we've pulled over on the side of the road, and I remember as a teenager, we'd, we'd help somebody with a flat tire. We'd help somebody get a, a charge their battery or something like that. And they'd offer my, uh, my father money and say, oh, no, don't worry about it. It's just, it's just good to be able to help someone through the years. And there have been preachers that have come through, and boy, they've said, I can't tell you how big a blessing your father has been to me through the years. They said many times we, we walk in here and he'd shake our hand and he'd have a couple dollars in it. He'd have a $20 bill for us or he'd give us something to go out to lunch with. They said, your father, and, and I didn't know about that, but my father taught me to be generous. I remember as a, as, a, as a young teenager getting in the automobile and going over to pastor's house and at Christmas time and my parents would buy potato chips and soda pop and dip and all these things and they'd take that over there and they'd take it and give it to pastor and Joan. And they take good care of them. And I remember that. And my father taught me to be generous by his example. Again, not, 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 not outwardly. And, and, and I almost hesitate to say some of these things because these are things he doesn't care to have known. But, but he taught me to be generous by his example. And folks, I challenge you today. See, dads, we need to take re- responsibility for our families. You say, well, 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 well I, I, I need to be a better dad than be a better dad. All right? Be the change in the world you want, okay? I mean, get a hold of something in your life and say, hey, I'm going to make a difference in the life of my child. I'm going to set aside those things that I desire. I'm going to set aside my dreams, and I'm going to be a father. I believe one of the highest callings in life that I have outside of being a husband is being a dad. And this dad fails miserably. I'll be perfectly honest with you. But folks, I have a desire to teach my children some things that are biblical. I want to bring them up in the nurture and admonition. That means I am to instruct them. I am to teach them godly principles, not just in precept, but also by my life. I want them to see a a man who's imperfect, but who's trying to please God. My father taught me to be generous. Fourthly this morning, my dad taught me to serve God. My dad taught me to serve God. Dad was faithful to church over work. My father is a pretty successful salesman. He's worked for design homes for 40 some years if I'm not mistaken. Dad's traveled a lot. He's been all over the world. He's been, he's been to Europe. He's been to the Middle East. He's been all over this continent. 
but he was always in church. Dad was faithful. I remember we went to London, and we went to church on Sunday morning. In London, England. I'd never been there. Went one time in my life, but Dad went to church on Sunday. Dad was faithful to church over sports. I like basketball, always have. It's been a sport that I love and enjoy playing. But I remember going to a three-on-three tournament up in lacrosse. And the game started at 12. But guess where we were till 12? We were sitting in church. And boy, we went to, we went to church in lacrosse that morning. But I remember, see, we had, there were four guys on our team. And I remember, see, you could start the game with two guys. And my brother and I weren't allowed to go until we'd gotten done with church. And I remember us running out onto the court as the game was started. They let the game start with as long as you had two guys out there. And the other two fellas, their convictions weren't quite as strong on church. And their father wasn't quite as forceful. But they were there. And so the game started. I remember we got out there and we were behind and we were getting beat. And my brother and I showed up. We ended up winning. But, 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 but we, he taught us to be faithful to church over sports. He taught us to be faithful to church over play. Man, I love vacation, don't you? Vacation's a wonderful thing. It's kind of your chance to get away from it all. But you know, on vacation, you know where you're supposed to be? On Sunday morning? In church. Man, I've been in church all over the place on Sunday morning. Now, when I'm home, I'm in church here. But when I'm out of town, Wednesday night, my family, we ducked out for a couple days and took a few days of vacation. And Wednesday night, I drugged my wife and my three kids. You know where we went? We went to church. Why? Because vacation doesn't mean you take a vacation from serving God. Vacation means you get away from everything at home, but you never get away from the Lord. Amen? You never walk out of the presence of God. You never get there. Jonah tried, amen? Jonah tried very hard to get away from the presence of God. You don't ever get away from the presence of God. And folks, he, my father taught me to be faithful to church over playtime. My father taught me to be faithful to church over free time. I remember Super Bowl 31. The Packers were back in the Super Bowl after 29 years. Anybody remember that? Remember Brett Favre going against the Patriots? And, and you know when the Super Bowl is? It's on Sunday night during church. Now, whoever planned church during the time of the Super Bowl, something's wrong with them. But I remember, and, and well, we, we stayed home until the last possible second, and I remember us getting to church. But, but i got to tell you, we were in church as the Packers were winning the Super Bowl. We got home, and we saw the last couple of seconds of the game, but the game had already been decided. But I'll tell you this. My father taught me to be faithful to God's house. He taught me to be faithful to the things of the Lord over my free time. Dad didn't always delight in it, by the way. You say, did your father enjoy coming to church instead of watching the Super Bowl? No. No, he did not. You say, well, but we should have the joy of the Lord. Folks, can I tell you this? I want the joy of the Lord. And I want to be joyful serving God, but there are some times when you're not. And can I tell you what you're supposed to do when you're not loving it? You're supposed to do it anyway. See, there's a point in life when, folks, let's face it, doing the right thing isn't easy. Being where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to do, isn't easy. But that doesn't mean you're supposed to back off and do what you want. No, no, no. That, at that point, that's when your character is revealed. And, folks, I've got to tell you, there's a lot of Christians and good people, and they've gotten saved, and they've gotten baptized, but after a couple months or maybe after a year, church got a little old to them. 
They kind of got into the routine of things. They know how it works. They've heard a few messages. They've read their Bible a couple times. They've prayed. It didn't quite do what they wanted them to do. Okay? I mean, they just God didn't do everything for them that they asked. And so they got weary of it. And they got weary, as the Bible says, in well-doing. And they said, phooey, I'm done. I'm walking away. I quit. And folks, i got to tell you, every single one of us, at some point or another, probably many times for a lot of us, have come to that point where we say, seriously? Sunday morning again? I mean, <laughs> really? Got to get up. Got to get dressed. Got to get the family to go together. Got to get in the car got to take a long drive to church, got to sit through a message, got to sit through a Sunday school lesson, and then we got to go home, and we got to, really? I mean, why can't we just take one day off? But that's where your character is revealed. And we need some dads today who will forsake the pleasures of this world, who will turn their back on their dreams and aspirations, and purpose to raise their kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. See, folks, I'll tell you this today. Probably the biggest human reason I'm in church today, probably the biggest human reason that I'm the pastor of this church today is because of my mother and father's influence. Now, I know it's all by the grace of God, and all the glory is due to Him. But can I tell you, your impact on your child is incredible. I was reading a statistic. It says that 80% of kids who grow up with a mom and a dad who go to church will stay in church. 30% of kids with a mom who goes faithfully to church will stay in church. Now it's 80% with both. It's 30% with mom. Guess where it is with dad? If their father attends church, it's at 70%. Why? Why? Why does mom only add 10% to dad? Folks, because you as fathers have an incredible impact on your child. Do you know where your child's first concept of God comes from? It comes from you, dad. It comes from you. See, the Bible never calls God a heavenly mother. Now, God loves us in that way, but the Bible calls God a heavenly mother father. And your child's first concept of God, the heavenly father, is of you, dad, the earthly father. And as they see you, and, and folks, the problem is, and I read another study, and this was taken in the mid-90s, but it said that fathers of preschool children age spend an average of 37 seconds a day in meaningful time with their children. And that's not a Christian statistic, just so you understand. It also said in the same study that a preschool child spends an average of 52 hours a week in front of the television. And we wonder why we're having the problems with our young people like we are. We wonder why they're rebellious. We wonder why they have terrible spirits. We wonder why they're defiant. I'm going to tell you why. Dads, it's because we checked out and we walked away from our kids. You say, oh, somebody else will raise them. You're right. Somebody else will raise them. And this godless environment that we call the world, present world we live in, has done a poor job. Dads, we need to check back in. Say, that's my child. 
That's my 10-year-old son. That's my 6-year-old daughter. That's my 3-year-old baby girl. I need to be a father to my children. You know, the funny things, and I, I don't know why this is. Seems like the busiest times of our life is when God gives us kids. It really is. You know, my wife and I, we got married. I think I was, what, a couple weeks shy of my 23rd birthday. My wife was 21. Snatched her up before her parents could say no. Jacob came three, four years later. It's busy. You know, you're a young couple. All sorts of things are going on since we've had kids. We've moved a couple times, three times in there. And boy, it just, it's just hectic, and things are going on, amen? And it's almost like you don't have time for your kids. But that's where you've got to make time. Because if you don't make time, your kids grow up. Do you know that for most parents, by the time you're 45 years old, your kids are grown and gone? 45 years old. I'm 36. I'll be 37 in a month and a half. That means that my kids are pretty close to being grown and gone. They're not given to you forever. Do you understand that? I mean, they're just in your home for a short time. And you better take the time while you have it. You say, but, but, but I'm busy. I have my career. Your career will wait. Yeah, but, 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 but I got, I, you know, I'm young, and I, I remember, again, I, I talked to a guy here, it's been, it's been a couple months ago, but on his, on his wall, he had a picture, and he had a picture of a fast-pitch softball league, and that used to be big around here, I don't know if some of you guys remember, but fast-pitch softball was the thing in this area, and my father, he played a lot of fast-pitch softball, and dad was a good fast-pitch softball player. And those leagues were huge. And there was a, I mean, and they, they had tournaments every weekend. And I remember after my father and my mother got married, hearing the story, Dad said, it's done, it's done. Just don't have the time for it anymore. We need some fathers and some husbands who will say, you know what, it's my family. God gave me my family, not athletic ability. My, my God gave me my family, not my career my God gave me my family. See, in the Garden of Eden, he looked at Adam and he looked at Eve and he said, you're now one flesh. And then he said, be fruitful and multiply. And he said, that is your responsibility. Should you work and earn a living? Yes. Should you be a man and accept responsibility? Yes. But God gave you a wife and God gave you kids and you better make sure that you are there to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And folks, I'm as guilty as anyone of failing. But my responsibility is to my kids. Because my kids one day are going to look back and say, where were you, Dad? Friday night, I was at a funeral. And I would never give you the, it just, it was a, it was a person at the funeral and and his daughter. And they were standing together, and I introduced myself, and he introduced himself. And then he introduced his daughter. And she said, well, and I asked, I said, how many kids do you have? And he gave me the number. And his daughter looked at him, and she said, well, he has that many kids biologically, but he was never there for me. He got very red-faced. What do you say? Very awkward moment. 
I tried to make a joke about teenagers embarrassing you. But folks, I wonder, truth be told, could that be said about any of the fathers in here? Grandpas? You say, I'm busy. I know. I know. But what about your kids? Man, wouldn't that be a shot in your side? Oh yeah, he's my biological father, but (laughs) he was never there when I was growing up. And I just wondered. I've got three kids. What will they say about their dad when they get to be a teenager, when they get to be 20, 21 years of age? And that bothered me. This morning, if you're a father or a father figure type to someone, could I just challenge you one last time? Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Just bring them up. See, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents. Man, drill them. Amen. Tell them, tell them, make them memorize that. Make them memorize the next couple of verses where it says to honor thy father and mother. Get them to memorize that. But then dads, grandpas, you role models, make sure you're bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Dads, be in church. Dads, serve God. Dads, love the Lord. And by the grace of God, you'll pass some things to your kids that are worth having. Today, if you've got a father that's still with us, and he was decent to you growing up, not perfect, but if he was there growing up, make sure you thank him. And if your father is no longer here, and he's in heaven, you make sure you praise God for that. And you thank the Lord for him. But fellas, I want to challenge you. Let's be the fathers God intended us to be. You say, but but, Pastor, I would love to. One day, your kids are going to rise up. And they're going to leave home. And what will they say? Will they say, Dad was too busy for me? Dad never showed up to any of my ball games. Dad never made it to my awards night for school. Dad was too busy for me. Or will they say I had a father who brought me up and taught me how to serve God? I had a dad who brought me to church. Thank God for moms who drag their kids to church. Amen? Moms have to drag them. Dads boot them. Amen? Isn't it different? I mean, you see a... You see kids coming in with mom and they're always lagging behind. You see kids coming in with dad and they're running ahead. You be a father. You be a father figure who brings them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Just purpose that in your heart today. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. With heads bowed, I've, I've, not even mention salvation this morning, but friend, if you're here and you're without Christ, if you've never made the decision to accept the Son of God
as your Savior. Today, would you, would you do so? Don't leave this room without knowing for sure that heaven's your home because the Bible says so. I just challenge you, if you're here and you're like that, during the invitation, if you'd just come forward and get my attention, I'll get someone who can show you from the Bible how you can be born again. It's the most simple decision you'll ever make, accepting Christ. But you've got to make it. And fellas, I've really focused on us this morning. Let's be the dad. Let's be the grandfather that God intended us to be. You say, I fail. I know we all do. But let's be the dad God wants us to be. As the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's laid something on your heart, you come to the altar. Well, praise the Lord, folks. Thanks for being here this morning. Go home. Dads, eat that chocolate before you get out of here. Amen. And uh, now enjoy. Now, they say that Mother's Day is the biggest eating out day of the year. Is that true? I think restaurants. Where's Tim at? Yeah, I'm right on that. What is, what is Father's Day? Is that the grilling out day or is that? Yes. All right. So guys, go home and burn something on the grill. Amen. Just charcoal it black. Now, praise the Lord. Fellas, th folks, thanks for being here today. Let's, 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 let's be the men, guys, we're supposed to be. And ladies, can I encourage you? Encourage your husbands to be the fellow they're supposed to be. Now, do it in the right way. Don't beat him into submission. But encourage him. Encourage him. I promise you, behind every good father stands a wonderful mother. I can promise you that. I really can. Encourage your, encourage your husbands to be the dad and the husband he's supposed to be. Ladies, please take that seriously. Brother Leo.